everybody, and welcome to the Witty Banter's Book Club podcast. I'm Maddie, here with... Courtney, hello, and we are recording an intro for our last episode, which we broke in half because we just had so much to say. Um, so you'll see Grace, Brielle, and Amanda with us here going forward after this little intro, and we are going over the third book in the Akotar series which is A Court of Wings and Ruin, which is a big boy. It's thick. Um, so thick. It's like, it's almost, it is 699 pages. Yeah, the Crescent City books are like a little bit bigger than this, but they, Sarah J. Mass, she's just got a lot to say. I think Silver Flames might be bigger than this one too. I'll find out tomorrow. My, my copy's coming tomorrow, so. Ooh. Did you uh, finish Frost and Starlight? No, I have not. Okay. Well, that one's, like, this big. So. That one's also coming tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, like, I heard that that one from Grace, that it doesn't matter, and it's unimportant. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a Christmas short. Oh, it's a Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I love that. Necessary. Well, actually, as, we've, as we learned earlier, it's, it's, a, it's a Chanukah special, because Sarah J. Ah. Mass is both Catholic and Jewish. Yes. Well, it's not even Christmas in Fairyland, in Prithian, it's some other holiday, but it's basically Christmas. Solstice. I think it's the winter solstice, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we should just hop right back in to our conversation. Alright, so we'll move on to the third book. And since uh, Amanda said that she did not want to do this book, and Brielle has already said... I can do it. I can do it. I think. Just you'll have to jump in and interrupt me if I miss anything. Um, okay. Honestly... No matter who reviews this one, including me, who finished it this morning, there will be tons of parts that we we'll forget miss it. that yeah, will that no, we will miss out. This um, book is chaos. But I can start if you want, and then like we, you can kind of fill me in if that makes it better because it's probably yeah a we can go back pressure. and forth we can share the okay. summary. Okay, so I had such high hopes going into this one because the acronym has war in it and I wanted the war. I wanted to see things. I wanted to see people beheaded, which I got. I wanted to see people stabbed, which I got. I wanted to see a main character die. Did not get that. So dumb. Okay. Not who would you have wanted permanent to die? Death. Hold on. Literally, at least. literally, I don't care. Well, actually, you did get a main character. Back. You did. Ugh, and he came back. Ugh, so stupid. <laughs> I don't care. I, I wish that he would have died for reals. Or like, yeah. I, like, even Amran dies, but she doesn't die, which is annoying. Okay. Anyway, so we start out. Part one. Uh. So, Feyre goes back to the spring court. She is with Tamlin, but she has this idea. She's like, she, and, she and Reese have already come up with a plan, you know. Um, I'm going to spy on the spring court, and I'm going to ruin everything from the inside out because I hate Tamlin, that cheeky bastard. Yeah, a Trojan horse, so, if you will. Yeah, yes, yes. So, she's there, and basically she's pissed because Ianthe is the person who is like, the reason why all these bad things happen. So she's like, you bitch, why, why did you do this? And Lucian and Tamlin are like, okay, let's have like a little sit down. We'll have her explain herself. She'll, she'll let us know. Lucian hates her because one, she raped him on the night of the Mon calamari. calamari. What is it? Mon calamari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the calamari. And he's 
not too pleased about that. So he's already anti-Ianthi. Just they sit side, down. Just a side note real quick about that. Like, actually, never mind. That would have been problematic. Keep going, Maddie. So, okay, so they have a little sit down and they're like, explain yourself. And she was like, well, I just thought you'd want your sisters to be alive with you forever since you're going to be alive forever, which honestly, I, that's, that's my justification for it too. So I, Stefan and Damon Salvatore of, uh, of Akatar. It's like, if I go down, you go down with me. Yeah. Vampires together forever. Well, I was just thinking that like, if I got turned into an immortal, I'm sorry, Courtney, but you're immortal too. So, Fair enough. Hope you like it. Um, I like so so they have this conversation. She's not pleased. Uh, Farah's not pleased with the conversation because she's pissed. She's like, "That's not a real answer. Why the hell are you siding with this person who wants to kill everybody and destroy everything that you have?" Blah 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 blah. None of this makes any sense. She's also searching for Resan's parents' wings. His mom and sister can't find them. She's kind of scared to find them if she did, but she, you know. Um. Then there's like this little solstice thing that they do. The tithe. Where, yeah, the tithe. Where it's very traditional and it's basically that people bring in stuff and they give them to um, Tamlin. To Tamlin and taxes. Yeah, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is the second book. Was it not in the second book? Yeah, the tithe was because that's when yeah. that's when yeah. the first cracks of Tamlin kind of show up. Because yeah. Like, oh, oh, you're right. Do right. Yeah. No, they do I was like thinking the sun thing. The, little, the sun thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 The, right. On on the solstice, and so there. Um, <laughs> Anthe has like her little friends go out there and like play something in the grass, so that when the sun arises, she can go like this, and the sun arises in her hands, and it looks really cool. But Feyre, being the little sneaky sneak that she is, goes out there and moves it a little bit so that she's standing in the I wrong spot. <laughs> and the light goes down on Feyre instead. And she's like, oh my gosh, I was not expecting this. <laughs> this and Ianthi, <laughs> yeah, and Ianthi's like, oh, actually, I planned for that to happen. I don't, I didn't make any mistakes at all. That was exactly how it's supposed to go. Because Ianthi cares a lot about how she's perceived by everybody else. Specifically um, Tamlin specifically Tamlin. It's a little strange. Yeah, I feel like also this and all these books have, like, their religion is not be- like, backed by much. Yeah, they don't really, like, no. like it feels like we the priestess- priestesses are, like, um, creating the religion and forcing it on everybody. Yeah. It just feels like figureheads, almost. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. just another way for people to be, get status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that happens and then these people show up right i don't know how to say their names but they're twins and they reminded me a lot of cersei and jamie from game of thrones oh because those twins they're fucking (laughs) i mean i think it's dagden and branagh that's how you say it i didn't didn't know to say it but so they show up and they don't deserve names Tamlin yeah. and Lucian and Ianthe and everybody's hanging out. I think is Jurian there too, maybe? Yeah, Jurian's yeah. there. Yeah. And you know, Farah's hanging out and then all of a sudden she hears like a little knock on her head and she's like, whoa, walls up. Because she's protecting her mind. And she realizes that those little evil twins mm. can read people's minds just like she can. 
So she is like, you know what? I'm going to be a good person this time. And, and to protect my own interests, I'm going to protect everybody else's brains so that they can't get into their brains and do whatever they're going to do. Break their minds. Uh... Then they go on, like, a little hunt or something like that. Or, or they're going to the wall. They're going to the wall because they're trying to figure out how they can use the cauldron to break the wall. And they have to find a break in the wall in order to use the cauldron for some reason. Because this all-powerful cauldron is apparently not strong enough to break the wall that it built. So, uh, they, they're going down there and they're, like, doing these little things. And there's these children of the Blessed down there. There's three of them and the twins are like oh can we eat them and favor's like no and jurian's <laughs> like that's pretty cool that you said no uh, <laughs> and um they wait should we explain who the children of the blessed are can i interrupt real fast sure go ahead yes thank you it's in the first book they the children of the Ble of the blessed are like these um like, religion followers, sort of, of believing that the Fae are good people. Meanwhile, everyone else in the human lands think that the Fae are awful. So throughout the first book, there are multiple occasions where the three sisters, like, run into the Blessed, and they're like, oh my god, the Fae, we're gonna go move up to Prithian and live happily ever after and be treated like kings and queens. And everyone's like, no, you dumb bitch, they're gonna kill you because they're Fae and they're <laughs> evil and they're dark. So this whole time, there's, like, this sub-community in the human lands that think that the Fae are good, so somehow they made it to the wall and like were able to access Prithian when it's never happened before because the hole in the wall that allows people to pass through is so secret that the only person who's ever really done it ever before was Feyre when she made it back in under the mountain. So like mm -hmm. this hole is so hard to find. And while they're trying to reinforce the wall or like look for the holes, Feyre wants to reinforce it. Everyone else wants to find the hole so they can infiltrate somehow the children of the blessed made it through and it's not like an important plot point but it's just that like these children idolize the fae and yeah. meanwhile there's these two evil twins are like i'm gonna eat these bitches <laughs> yeah sorry please continue. So, <laughs> so they um they're like they like go to sleep fair sends them away she sends the kids away she's like leave uh, and then the next day, she's out for a little walk with, I think she's with Lucian, and she finds all of their bones and their bodies have been ripped open, and I loved it. I love the violence. <laughs> so, I see she finds missing. And she's... <laughs> she... Okay, so she is, like, pissed. She's like, okay, you know what? These little fuckers, I'm gonna do something, and I'm gonna make them so scared. So she, like, puts something... With the, near them and it attacks them or whatever. It's the bog. The, the bo the uh, is it the bog? The boggy. Uh, it's whatever creature makes you see like your nightmares or your biggest fears essentially. Mm. She sticks it on him. Yeah. Yeah. So Tamlin's pissed. He's like, Real pissed. you bitch, I'm trying to save us. And like explodes. And she like doesn't protect herself. And so he like does the fairy equivalent of hitting her and resand is like feels it through the bond and he's like i'm gonna freaking murder him for this and Fair. she she also <laughs> is kind of trying to turn tamlin and lucian against one another because she's pretending she's like dancing with tamlin and being all horny on main and then going to lucian's room in like her scampiest dress with like her titties all out yeah and, oh tamlin i didn't see you there oh, tamlin <laughs> i had a nightmare i'm <laughs> <laughs> Not with your best friend. It's nothing weird. Um, Her my second line is she goes like, I told him that I had a nightmare. 
I am the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, I am his worst nightmare. Yeah, so, she, you know, she's kind of trying to have, like, a little rift between them. They go out again to do something else, and during this time, Ianthe's with them, and she, this is when Feyre decides that she's going to abandon the spring court, she's gonna go back to the night court, and she's gonna go and be with Reese again, because she's like, I miss him so much, and also, like, I have a duty now. And she, she's out with them, something happens, somebody gets triggered by something, and then, like, oh, okay, Ianthe is, like, assaulting Lucian in the fort. Again. Okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again. Lucian's like, I'm not interested in you, I don't like you, and she's like, oh, no, you like me so much, blah, blah, blah. Well, instead of abandoning Lucian, good guy Feyre comes back and is like, put your hands down, Ianthe, otherwise you're never gonna use it again. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'll show you. So she puts her down, and she gets her to take a rock, and she's just smashing her own hand violently over and over and over again, and it's amazing. Then the twins, <laughs> they're there. The twins are there, and they're witnessing this whole thing, and they're like, you're kind of crazy, Feyre, but you know what? We're going to kill you. And she's like, not on my watch, and she, like, chops off their heads. Oh. <laughs> So good. Okay, so we're off so, to a good start for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, where did this go violence? Like <laughs> yeah, it starts with a lot of violence and then ends with a ton more violence. Yes, I know. It's the middle part that I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> all the storytelling. What the fuck is up with that? Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. In a book. So, no, okay. Why don't we all just kill each other? <laughs> I just feel like, I feel like by this point in the book, in, in this series, that there was way too much descriptions of things that are happening that don't need to be included i will say it's... that books though that have war in them are so complicated mm -hmm. because so many different factions have to play into it like if you think about not even books but just think about um like marvel think about uh -huh. how many movies have to build up all these different side plots of the black panthers and the the storyline of captain america and all this stuff to then for the big war for like everybody to come into play and how important it is you have to know all this drawn out side story yeah just gonna throw uh, so that out there i'm hoping by the end of this your goodreads scores go up by like what so um something that we forgot to mention in the last book is that they stole from the summer court resand and Feyre and all of them they stole the book of the breath or breathing or something from the summer court and the summer court sent them back some beautiful rubies um that are just so gorgeous and honestly it's a bounty if i made enemies i mean if they're like enemies it's pretty nice to give you jewelry so um, Imran's take on it yeah she's like ooh, yeah. i'll wear these thanks <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, no, this is literally your blood symbolized. So when she returns to... Okay, so she takes Lucian with her when they when they abandon the spring court. Lucian's like, okay, I guess I'll come with you. I don't really want to be here anymore. Tamlin's kind of a dick. So they, they go on, like, a little, a, little, a little walk. They go through the autumn court, and they're, like, trying to, like, not be seen because that's where Lucian's family is, and they're not on good terms. Then they're going to the winter court, and then they're making their way—they're making their way up the map. And they run into his brothers, mm -hmm. and his brothers are like, "Stop right there!" And they're like, "No, 
we're not going to. And they're like, well, we're gonna burn down this ice then. And Favor's like, no, you're not. And she's just using her little powers to not... And they just don't even catch on to the fact that she's using powers. Um, men. I guess they're the same in the fairy world, too. Uh, so they go through that. They get back. And Rhysand's like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm so glad you're back. Let's go upstairs. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and then all of her friends are just watching, like, as they're, like, doing this in front of them. And I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, and then everybody's kind of mad at her. Like, all of her little friends are mad at her. Because they're like, you're the high lady. You're suppo we're supposed to protect you. Well, you're not letting us do our jobs. And she's like, well, this is for the greater good. And whatever. Um... Then, her sisters are in the night court now too as well they brought them back. yeah yeah they're at the townhouse i believe correct correct and they're not happy i think i thought they were at the house of wind they might you're right you're right, right. the house of wind is what yeah. and like nessa just sits there and reads all day elaine is like in this deep darkness because she misses her human fiance who will never want her because now she's a fae yeah and also do you know who she reminded me of i don't know i don't know that i know you've never seen it brielle but um, she reminds me a lot of Helena Targaryen mm. from Game of or House of the Dragon, yeah. um, and just like the whole Targaryen seers. That's kind of the vibes that she was giving me the whole time. Um, well, hopefully not quite as tragic of an ending. <laughs> uh, hopefully, actually, such a tragic ending. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. You know, she, like, goes back to her siblings. They don't want to talk to her, whatever. Uh, what else is happening during this part? Brielle, you want to step in? So, they return, and while she was gone, she has gathered a lot of information about just how, like, close Highburn is to making his his pounce. And so, now that she's back as High Lady, she and Resand and the entire inner circle are on this kind of quest to visit with all of the High Lords to kind of get them on their side because not everyone fought on the same side to keep the humans safe, but from here on out, it's like everybody but Tamlin wants to save the human lands. They don't want to re-enslave and do all this stuff. Well, actually, Autumn Court's kind of an ass, but like everyone's kind of trying to team up and led by Resand and Feyre to build an army against Highburn because Highburn got all the resources. He has the largest army, he has all the weapons, he has the cauldron, like, he has everything he needs. He's also taken, like, different parts of the cauldron from, like, their special places elsewhere on Earth to, like, gather its utmost power and, like, reignite it with the ability to wipe out literally anyone in its path. So during this time, like, they are spying on him. Elaine has and Nessa both have the ability to kind of, like, see where the cauldron is and, like, track his armies. They're meeting up with all the other High Lords to kind of, like, get their plan together. And they decide, with the help of their allies, to host a High Lords dinner, or, like, a High Lords weekend, a little soiree, where all a the retreat. High Lords... A little retreat! <laughs> to, you know, talk... Uh, <laughs> recap their data, talk about new plans for the team, you know, do the typical business things that High Lords do, um, where all of the High Lords are invited, all seven of them, to basically, like, pledge their allegiance to the to the cause and try to form this army against Highburn. And this is, like, my favorite part of the book before we, like, really enter war, because it is just so insane. And the things that come out of people's mouths are just so crazy that I'm just like, 
You know what? This this book needed this. This is like the non-sexual spice yeah. that I was really excited about because some of the high lords are like super flirtatious and like trying to hook up with everybody in the inner yeah. circle. Some high lords are like fuck all of y'all, but I'm ready to hear what you have to say. I'm not pledging my armies. Some are like their wives have to convince them. And like there's all these different dynamics that are coming into play where all seven high lords are in presence together, including Tamlin. And that's when shit kind of hits the fan. Because Tamlin is still, he's like, she left me again. She went back to the night court. I'm going to steal that bitch back. Like, fuck her. Fuck all of them. Like, I hate this. I hate everything. And everyone else is there to like plan their, like, you know, their war bands and to get everyone together and get ready to gear up against Tyburn. And Tamlin, being Tamlin, the blonde man that he is, starts making really inappropriate comments about Feyre, trying to spark some anger in the night court crowd. The things that he says are truly, like, the funniest things I've ever read in this whole book series. Like, one, he, he was, like, he interrupts this, like, literal war meeting I mean, like planning their war planning their attack and like where we're going to station our troops and like what's going to happen next how do we get ahead of high burn and he's like hey resand you know that little moan she makes when you have sex with her <laughs> and everyone at the table's <laughs> like, like uh, uh okay. like, it was that night that you left me and she's like the sun was shining when i walked out on you and then everyone's like oh my god and he's it's very very tense it's a lot of tension so the inner court, or the inner circle, all of uh, Resan's folks are like, let's get him. So they start, as starts fighting uh, Tamlin because of everything that he's just said and he's disrupted this whole meeting. And Baron, who's like Lucian's dad slash the autumn court dude, like they're all fighting. Like everyone's having all these like really hard time bringing everybody on board. But eventually, it sort of ends in like a good place. I think they're there mm-hmm. for like two more days. They have like another brunch meeting. Everyone's under the assumption that all of the High Lords, except for Baron, have agreed to fight Highburn. Even Tamlin, which is important for later. But they've all sort of agreed that they're all going to fight this war and they're going to like start planning and start finding little camps and hot spots to like plant their soldiers and prep for the war. Yes. Um, also, during this time, they send... Highburn put assassins in Valeris, and so Amran is going oh, yeah. to go search for them. And it was very funny because the way it's described, it's like Passover because they're like putting lamb's blood on their doors <laughs> yeah. to like not be attacked by her. It literally is. And I'm like, okay. I read it. And I was like, oh. Literally. I think SJ Jewish. I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of the like Passover Jewish undertones come from. Is people think that she's Jewish. Interesting. I don't know. There's a lot of resurrections happening in here. <laughs> yeah. There's some, like, plague-type behavior also. Some Love that. Some Moses she is Jewish. Things. She was born in New York City, grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, born to a Catholic mother and a Jewish father. She was oh. raised Jewish. Hmm. There you go. She's got the resurrection mm-hmm. and the... Yeah. Lamb's blood and... Lamb's blood, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so, they go to war. Love it. So fun. Uh, well, the saddest, the summer court gets attacked first. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the summer court gets attacked. They go back. Drowning they, out like, the sounds of the dying and injured. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reeson and Feyre have in the camp. real big horny sex after yes. the summer court gets attacked. Literally, <laughs> yes, I marked it, and I was like, dude, this is not the time. <laughs> I feel They're like that's every 
well, I'm not going to say every, but I feel like it happens a lot where you're reading a book and war happens and they always want to fuck before or after. They're just like, I, I think it's just the rage. I think it's the adrenaline that you get from it. Because, yeah. like, well, think about but, after World War II, we had the baby boomers. Look at all those. Well, exactly. Like, it's, it's from war. The, it's the adrenaline. It's the. Makes people the fact horny. they weren't. Yeah. The fact that you've only seen men go slave for the last <laughs> five years. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, okay, so the summer court gets attacked. Um, and they come to defend the summer court. The night court comes to defend because they get, they have Nesta or Elaine or somebody has like kind of like an incl- like an inclining that something's bad's about to happen and then they hear that something bad happens. So they go down there and they're helping them and it helps repair their relationship with Tarquin and then they go back to Volaris and prepare for real war. And the real war comes. Okay, so let's see. Um, Amarin is hooking up with Varian. Love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Moore hooks up with Helion Spellcleaner. I love him. Who and Helion is? We find out is Lucian's father, which was the least surprising plot twist of all time. Well, yeah, like you could he, tell from the second when when they. Well, you could tell. Sorry. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> well, when they dump Elaine and Nesta into the cauldron, and Elaine is dumped out of the cauldron, uh, Lucian breaks the spell that's holding everybody else back so that he can go pick her up. And that's, like, the first... He's also, like, darker-skinned than all of his siblings mm-hmm. because Helion is, like, blacker, Middle Eastern in the book. Described yeah. that way. Like, very tan. Yeah, I... It was kind of, like, the second that they started talking about it, it just kind of, like, before they can even do any of the reveal part, it was like, oh, this is where it's headed, so... Not super surprising. It makes a lot of sense why his dad is such a dick to him and, like, why... But... It's also mentioned in here that the dad probably doesn't know, which also doesn't make any sense. Because how can he be a dick to him for not being his legitimate child, but then also not know? Not know. Right. Well, there's also if you had a child, if you're, if you're, wait, if you're like a, an autumn person and you're very white and your child comes out brown, aren't you going to be a little confused by that? Well, there's something else too, because Eris, right, he's exhibiting, Eris is his older brother, he's exhibiting signs of like, all the High Lords start to exhibit signs, like, when they're the heir apparent, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, obviously, <laughs> Lucian is, like, the heir to the Day Court. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it would be a little confusing if two of his children started exhibiting mm-hmm. some sort of, like, power inklings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Lucian has done some things think... at some point, like, breaking spells or whatever that would allude to that well, as well. Or Baron's just an asshole and he hates all his kids because it seems like he, he made Eris do some things he didn't want to do either. I think he also, yeah. Baron has all the, there's all the trauma with, what was the girl's name with? Oh, Lucian's before? girlfriend whose dad killed in front of him. Yeah, yeah. and I think... Jezmida. Uh, yeah, what is I it? think Baron also, I don't think it's that the hate for Luc- Lucian comes from the illegitimacy of him. I think it's also... He hates all his kids. It's kind yeah. of apparent through the whole thing that he doesn't want any of them to take his place. Yeah. 
And yeah, because he's, the he's abusive like to the it. wife. Yeah, Baron's the oldest Tiger Lord. He's also, like, he abuses his wife, and that's why she sought Helion, and they fell in love, and they had their, you know, their child. Um, and it's also that, like, this isn't said until later books, so it's not a spoiler, so I feel fine, like, you know, sharing it. But, like, Eris says, like, you don't know how bad my dad beat me, too. That, like, and Eris is awful. Like, he's done some terrible things to more. He's done some terrible things. Um, something we forgot to mention earlier is that, like, Eris is kind of in partnership with Moore's dad, who he was originally supposed to marry. He was supposed to marry Moore, and he, like, left her for dead. Um, and Moore's dad is, like, the ruler of this dark community that exists within the Night Court that it is Rhysand's job to protect his real inner circle, to protect Valaris. So he has this, like, facade where, like, he has this really scary night court. And that's why everyone dislikes Reese and doesn't trust him and doesn't ally with him because he has this, like, brunt of darkness. But in reality, as you get to know him in books two and three, he has a family that he loves. He has, like, a community that he protects, a very progressive, like, socially forward state that is, like, his sole being is to protect it and he will put up whatever he has to he will kill people he will scare people he will inspire amarantha to create under the mountain in his honor like literally in his image of what the court of nightmares really is so it's like the court of nightmares and the court of the dreams are like his two components to his night court and one of them he just keeps hidden so like eris is an ally throughout these whole like this whole series but he's just like as abused as Lucian is and Baron's just an awful dad regardless like he beats everyone he hates everyone but it's particularly sad because to find out that Lucian's not even his son and he was like ostracized from the autumn court and like forced and given up to the spring court his he thought he had a mate that wasn't Elaine and she was killed by his other brothers and his dad and like ultimately like Eris isn't even the one who killed her so like there's this interesting like sibling I guess half sibling dynamic happening over in the autumn court family that we're starting to get to know during this book as well. And yeah, it's just very like interesting how that all worked out. It's like, mm. it's very clear as you read through the book that Lucian is probably not a full brother to the other six of them, or like he's the seventh brother, seventh son or whatever. Um, but that at the same time, like no one really knows because it hasn't been yeah. confirmed. And also we don't know how, like, yeah. I know we know that the mom knows that Helion probably like, can sense it like he can break spells like all of that is starting to take form but to everyone else's knowledge lucian is still just like the the hated brother yeah of he, the autumn court he really just gets shit on throughout this whole series and i make elaine frustrates yeah. me so much with the way she treats him like even if she's in a really tough place she's just so freaking rude and i wanted to like shake her and scream at her i through parts of the book i get where she's coming from but like he's he's not a bad person and the way he gets treated by everybody Mm -hmm. just sucks even i mean like the he's like the comic relief friend like he's always like that one character that just like takes a beating and he's not a bad person so like i would really like to see something positive come out of well i think like like, it doesn't have to be love it doesn't have to be a mate it's just he, what I like about Lucian, too, is that, like, so the inner circle kind of, like, ostracizes him, right, after he leaves the spring court, and he's really favors only, like, independent friend, mm-hmm. I would say, right, because everyone else is, like, Reese's friend, and, like, I, I don't, I don't think the way they treated him was fair. There has to be some level of, like, healthy suspicion because he's coming from the spring court, but, like, he's really favors only... Well, independently developed relationship. Just sent Feyre into the Spring Court yeah. for those reasons. I feel like it's 
understandable for them to think that Lucian is then there in the night court for the same reasons. That's as fair. As they sent Feyre. Because at this point, I feel like there's a lot of miscommunication because it's hard to remember also who knows what aspects of what's going on. Yeah. But I don't know. That's true. So then um, something else that we needed to mention that I forgot is that when they're preparing for war, they go to the humans. They go to who Elaine should have married and is like, hey, uh, you're about to be attacked. Do you want to join us in this war even though you hate us? And he's like, fuck you, Elaine. Yes. <laughs> and so um, he like is like super mean to her, but yeah. Yeah. everything, I mean, but I don't know. They kind of just move on pretty quickly after that. Um, I think we haven't really talked about, like, meeting with the human queens at yeah. all, either. Because they met, they met um, with the human queens in this book. It went, like, mm, okay. And then, um... One of them gets beheaded. Yeah. The pretty one. Oh, no. Love it. So sad. But some of the queens start working with Highburn. Mm-hmm. Which makes oh, no a sense. ton of no sense. No sense. Yeah, great. No sense. Um, well, yeah, and then it's important, I think, we also, like, set up, because I know we're going to talk about this um, in the next episode, talking about the last book, um, but one of the queens, like, all the queens were part of it when two sisters were put into the cauldron, and everyone thought that, like, oh my god, Elaine came out beautiful and youthful and has, like, has her sweetness still about her, so the, the Nesta didn't turn out too great, like, Nesta <laughs> came out dark and evil and crazier than she already was. So the queens are like, oh, I'm going to go into the cauldron, and this is what Highburn offered them in, like, partnership, or, like, oh, in exchange yeah. for their allyship in this war, was that the queens that. would be offered immortality and fey. So one of the queens, like, the first one of the seven to step up, or how, how many queens are there? I don't know. Why do I keep saying the number seven? I don't know. I but like six. One there of was the, six. The There's six, five now. You know, <laughs> one of the queens. <laughs> one, of the, one of the queens is, like, kind of a secret, like not like a secret ally, but she's kind of in support of um, the High Lords and she's like kind of spilled their secrets and like give them the other half of the book to like unlock the cauldron. But the other one is like super evil. She is the first one to like, you know what? I want to go into the cauldron now because this is what you promised me. You promised me beauty. You promised me immortality. You promised me Faye. I'm going to walk into the cauldron and become just like Elaine. She dips herself in the cauldron and comes out a like wicked old bitch. (laughs) Yeah, because Nesta in in her twenties. Nesta took took part of the cauldron with her. Yeah. Yes, because like when she did her little evil point at Highburn, she's like, "You're gonna pay for this," and she fought the cauldron. Like she just wasn't in there taking a little swimmy and coming out just like Elaine. She like stripped it of a bunch of its power and stole what the cauldron, like the cauldron's essence. And they didn't know this going into it, but. The queen was like, all right, my turn. I want to become like Nesta and Elaine. And she walks in and as punishment, because it's been stolen from, the cauldron apparently has its, like, sentience, decides to punish the queen and, like, turns her into this, like, forever old, withered, like, ugly little granny of a fae. And that she is has not a in this book. <laughs> Wait, what? No. <laughs> that no? is not in this book. No. It, yes, it, it is. Is that in this one? When is that? It's when it's when they get dipped into the cauldron. It's right it's, it's right after Nesta goes in because she essentially like breaks the cauldron. They dip in the yeah. queen yeah, and it doesn't the go queen, like the queen wanted it too. And she comes and so like the the human queens are allied with Hyburn because they want like what he's promising is like, yeah, you can destroy the human lands, but as long as we're safe and rich and fey, like who cares? And they're That's in out. this book. 
Book two. Oh, okay. I was like, uh, yeah, okay. I was so confused. I was like, no, 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 no. So I was like, I was like, that's what I was butting in because we hadn't talked enough about the queens. So like, gotcha. that's why the queens are important to what happens in the war in the third book is that they are part of this war fighting on the side of Highburn and Tamlin and like all of their allies because they want to punish the Archeron sisters for stealing from the cauldron yeah and for with taking their power and taking their youth and taking her beauty from them they're just bitter old queens one of them's a particularly bitter old queen and they they are part of this whole fight too goes back to how at the beginning of goodness this book they're trying to take down the wall but the cauldron can't because nesta Mm -hmm. took from it yeah, and right. the King mm-hmm. of Highburn wants Nesta. Like, yeah. he's actively looking throughout yeah. her, for her throughout the book. But also, there's a few characters I think um, we kind of skimmed over too, which is the Weaver, the Bone Carver. Briaxis. I and, love the Bone Carver. Uh, Briaxis, and then yeah. Kyoshi also. So there's, like, these Who's other... There's these other beings, right, in Prithian who are, like, they're not quite fey. They're more powerful they're gods they're gods yeah. from a different world kind of like amarin yeah. yeah and so the bone carver he like can kind of predict the future um yes. but you, you have to like pay him in secrets the weaver we kind of heard she's the one with the weird hair cottage bless her heart um and then there's <laughs> uh, is kyoshi in this book Koshai, i think is in the fifth um yeah so there's another no, but, um, another one braxis lives in the bottom of the lobby. yeah braxis yeah. is another like villain slash scary not fey but kind of a god that lives in the night court at the bottom of the library he lives in the house of wind at the bottom of the library he's super scary and cassian's like terrified yeah. of him so he's, like, <laughs> the bone carver is like the one of the most like policed beings up in the prison like there's a prison that's on the outskirts of Prithian, and it's where all of the worst, like, scariest That's beings and gods and fae have lived for hundreds and thousands of years because they're punishment for their crimes. And in that, like, community up there, Feyre has visited multiple times to, like, learn more about Prithian, to learn more about Highburn, to, like, figure out what it is that she has to do to save the humans. And the person that she allies with, or, like, the being, is the bone carver. So a big part of this war is, like, they don't have the numbers they don't have the resources they don't have the power to take down highburn but what they do have are these gods so highburn doesn't really know that they're going to bring out these gods but through like oh we forgot to mention about um the weaver's cottage that Feyre uh went to go visit the middle where the where the weaver's cottage is and like drags like eanthe or whatever shows up and she mm-hmm. like literally feeds her to the weaver and she's like here's oh, a yeah. gift a token of my friendship <laughs> like, yeah so, like, i love it doesn't have i'm I thinking about this because you mentioned like Feyre doesn't really have her own friends besides lucian what she does have is all the other gods and the mythical beings are always on her side yeah, and I think Weaver, like, is chosen for this. Yeah, and, like, Braxis ultimately allies with her to support the war. The Bone Carver allies with her to support the war. Anthe kills the cereal, but yeah. the cereal was her really good friend, or the cereal was her really good friend. So, like, she doesn't have human or fae friends, but what she does have is the friendship of these beings who are long forgotten, and she calls them dreamers. Like, they dream of a better world, they dream of a better Prithian, and those are who she always chooses, and, like, who yeah. always chooses her. So... Mm-hmm. Well, and I in think that preparation maybe, for this war, she brings them in. Yeah, I think yeah, that maybe leads into like potentially Maddie's 
theory that like Farah is something else too, mm-hmm. aside from just being like mm-hmm. a creation um, from all the Fey Lords. Like she has this really interesting draw to like these other beings in Prithian that are like kind of higher up than the Fey. Yeah, and, and I, no, it's because she's made, but like I feel like she also treats them as dignity, people, yeah. as how all the other fae or humans nobody's ever treated them that way because they're too apprehensive yeah mm-hmm. well and also even the bone carver like before the war officially begins he says like there's something different about elaine and nesta he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily say there's anything different about Feyre, but he does say like what kind of death god is nesta that yeah. bitch is scary so like they all kind of know these other creatures know there's something different about the archeron sisters it's just trying to figure out is it because they were simply made or are they something more like them? Yeah. Um, so what happens is that uh, Feyre tries to capture the serial to get information about where the ships and everything is for Hybrin. And Ianthi shows up, kills the serial, and then that's when she lures the <laughs> Ianthi to the... To the uh, what is it called? The Weaver's Cottage. The Weaver's, the Weaver's, cottage. The Weaver's oh. cottage. And then feeds her into it. Yes. Cottage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, see, you, you mentioned that a lot. You seem a little disturbed, Brielle. <laughs> I just think, okay, that one scene where she's getting the ring and Rhysand's just like up in a tree, perched up, watching her grab the ring, which ended up being her engagement ring. Like literally, yeah. what a plot. But like, it's so gross, and I could not, like, the one thing that I can never get out of my mind is when she's describing climbing up the chimney, and she's like, why is this chimney so greasy? And it's because the weaver literally killed humans and yeah. fae for food, and she, like, burned them in her little yes. cottage stove, <laughs> and it's just, like, the entire ceiling, instead of being made out of grass, or being made out of, like, wheat, she literally made it out of human hair. Oh, and then it. the inside of the chimney is filled with their greasy, like, remnants of cooking them. Vile. And it just mm-hmm. smells like human flesh. And Absolutely it's like, oh my god, vile. it's the most vile thing in the world. And meanwhile, <laughs> Reese is like, hee hee hee, go to the Weaver's Cottage. Like, this is my new friend. <laughs> so, okay, so they do that. And then Elaine is kidnapped. Okay, there. Elaine is... She is, yep. I don't know. She was come little children from Hocus Pocus. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about? And so she yeah. <laughs> she went out there. But then Nesta and Favorite both get this bad feeling. They're like, something's not right. And they go to the edge of the woods and she's gone except for her little cape. So they're like, okay, well, let's go to Hybrid and get our sister back. And so they go back to get her and it's just uh, Feyre and and Asriel who go yeah mm-hmm. to get Elaine and they because as they get her for Elaine yeah and this and this yeah. is when we find out that um does, yeah. Tamlin is not totally bad because they are you know she uses her her glamour to try and prevent um being caught so she she becomes the Anthe she walks around. In there, and she's like, I'm gonna go pray really quick. But then she's not praying, she's stealing her sister back. And they run away. And she also sees that there's some children of the blessed that are strung up to be mutilated. And she's like, We're also gonna save them. And Az is like, Do we have to? And she's like, Yeah. And he's like, All right, I guess. And she runs into Tamlin. And oh, she runs into Jurian, and she tells Jurian that she like wants the humans to be saved. And Jurian, being a human, is like, "Cool, I'll help you, I guess." But you've got to be really quick. So Jurian tells her like how to like escape 
where she is with her sister and everything. And she he leaves the child there with over in that area. And so when they're running away, um, they grab the child. Tamlin shows up because they're about to get caught. And Tamlin's like, grr. And they're like, oh my gosh. And then they're like, stab, stab, stabbing you, Tamlin. And he's like, that's okay. I hate you, Feyre, but I still love you. And I hope you're happy, blah, blah, blah. So then, you know, they... <laughs> he helps him <them laughs> so escape, then, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm describing the escape right <laughs> okay, now. Okay, I like we're moving yeah. on to the next part. No, I'm describing the escape. So they, they go away. I think this is when she flies for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Is when after mm-hmm. she gets it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh my gosh. And I I think the flying is what does it for me, to be honest with you all. Uh, I think that's why it's a little silly to me, is the flying. Her Illyrian wings? They're like, you think that's wings, funny? Though, not like, you think like that's fairy funny? Wings. <laughs> <laughs> any better, Grace. <laughs> So, they head back to the camp. There's war going on. People are dying. People are screaming. And there's a little tiny bit of a betrayal, which is I was hoping was going to be a better betrayal than like what it actually ended up being. And that's that Amran tricks Feyre into going to the cauldron, putting her hands on the cauldron, and then taking power to reclaim her real true form. Oh, also... Uh, Morgan comes out, which, like, to only okay. Feyre. Uh, to only Feyre. I don't understand, because it seems like the Night Court is pretty inclusive and progressive, so I don't understand why she's being all secretive about this. And I just don't want to give her parents more ammunition. Yeah, and I think it's also with yeah. yeah. Azriel. She. I, uh, how do you. Azriel? Yeah. As. As. as, as, as he. He. Yeah. Seems to have been loving her for a long time, and I feel like she also feels pressured to not make him feel bad. Yeah. Which... What also is... Like, she also sleeps with Helion, and she's like, well, I was just doing it so that he would leave me alone. I, I I don't like when sexuality is like, diminished to something like that. Because she's like, I prefer guys and girls, but I prefer girls more. And it's just, like, I don't think that that was a very good, like, adaptation of sexuality in this I think world. It's, like, the, I was reading that a lot of it also stems from that, like, everyone in the first book was just, like, white and hetero. And as the series was written, it had already gained a big fan base. So by the time this book came out, a lot of people had already been um, providing that feedback that SJM was not inclusive enough. There weren't enough black characters. There weren't enough Asian characters. Like, And obviously, these aren't, like, this isn't the real world. Like, this is Earth. But it looks a little bit different at this time. But she had to incorporate, like, the, the real-life um, diversity to make it more readable and to make it more well-liked. So I feel like it's not her, like, she's not good at writing about lesbian characters because she probably wasn't intending to do it in the first place. Right. So, like, her whole thing about, like, why has more, like, more slept with Cassian so that she wouldn't have to marry Eris because she slept with a bastard. And she slept with an Illyrian. Yeah. Now she doesn't have to marry Eris. Az is in love with her, but she doesn't say anything about it because between Cass and Azriel, she is, like, protected and has her family. And, like, these are her brothers, but she slept with one of them. Whatever. But, like, it's, like, this whole relationship that she has formed amongst this inner circle that she doesn't want to disrupt. So it's not that she's afraid of telling Resand and Cass and Amran or whatever. But, but yes, because it's, like, her dad is, like, still punishing her for abandoning 
her marriage contract and like he rules the court of nightmares and he believes in that space they believe in like raping women and using them just for breeding high fae and the illyrians even hate women and clip their wings like all of these different fears that she has ties to hold her to a very specific like there are gay characters in the books because one of the high lords has a male partner and like more was in love with a human girl but like it's not yes she could come out to the whole group but at the end of the day like just because the night court is safe doesn't mean that that information is safe anywhere else right well he has like established relationships with all the people in the inner circle too so like i feel like coming out to them at that point she might feel like it's a betrayal to them that like she hasn't been able to be up front with them but it also throughout the book describes like some of Moore's hookups as an effort to keep like Asriel at arm's length yeah at bay mm-hmm. yeah I feel like it'd be super easy if you're just like hey as I don't like you I'm gay I don't like <laughs> yeah no I, I agree see, but like I don't understand like, I understand I understand your point like you can't you well, okay. we, so we can't resonate with like the fear of coming out and stuff and even if you have a really supportive circle I think to some people it's still really intimidating to open yourself up to that sort of potential attack with that the sort issue of vulnerability is, is that even after what Brielle has described the wing clipping has been illegal Right, Resand has made it illegal. Resand, ha- Resand is somebody who is obviously been through a lot of like sexual issues in the past. All of them really have experienced some sort of sexual abuse growing up. They all have had some sort of like interaction with people who are like not straight in their world, and they all are totally okay and fine with it. They have never once done or said or like had any sort of negative reaction to it at all what i didn't like about this is that it is thrown into the last 100 pages of this book Mm. it is kind of like a an afterthought to the point where it's like oh you know this character who's been hooking up with guys this whole time actually i've decided that she's gonna be gay now well and i don't understand why you can't have like they should have talked about it way more in the beginning of this book i don't care that it wasn't in the second book or the first book in this book there should have been way more talked about about it it, Maddie, when they get into the uh, fourth and fifth book, it is touched on a little bit more. She even has a love interest in Silver Flames. So, like, well, that's that's better. It's just, but yeah, it's we're it's we're starting to learn more and more about each of the inner circle as we go along, right? Like, you learn more things about Amran and stuff like that. But I think it's just a level of trust thing, and I, I think, more also wants to like find a way to form a connection with Feyre. So, like, giving up a secret is some sort of way to, like, create some sort of and, connection or yeah, establish. Like, after, right before this happened, like, right when Moore tells Feyre that she's gay, this was after Feyre had betrayed Moore, that they were watching the war from above a cliff and, like, watching everyone fight, and she wasn't allowed to fight because she is, like, the high lady. And Moore is, like, literally as trained and as capable as the Illyrian soldiers, as the night court soldiers. Like, she is just as capable and is, like, the third in command in the night court but her duty like her job in this war was to make sure that Feyre doesn't run away and do something stupid and what did she do she ran to the cereal she ran to the weaver she killed Ianthe like she left and didn't everyone no one knew where she was and everyone was freaking out like did Feyre die where what's going on in this war so in part it was like their her giving up that information even though like 
it probably wasn't the best time. To, and I think it has a lot more to do with SJM, like plugging it here because she was already receiving criticism for not having done something like it already. Like most people who turned out to be like, who are gay turned out to be like outed or like announced in this book during the like High Lords meeting and like during this whole progression into war is when we found out that there's like three gay characters and we had no idea any of them existed or were gay going into it. So I think this is a point at which SJM was starting to receive criticism for her lack of inclusive character development and a lack of inclusive identities. So this is where she plugged it, being selfish mm-hmm. and, a, and an annoying reader. But I'm like, I need to know everybody. I need to yeah. know everything. Like this, was, this series needs to go on forever. <laughs> like, Any So, okay, so we should move on. <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> well, we've been talking about this for like 20 right minutes. <laughs> and so I just... <laughs> so, okay. So moving on to the next part of basically, let's see, the war, more war stuff. And then, um, there's a lot that happens in the war. Yeah, so the big thing that happens in the war war is that... Hybrid's head gets chopped off. Sure. Yes, but we're not there yet. (laughs) Um, Sorry, my bad. So, Hybrid, he has the cauldron, okay? And he's about to do some damage. And Nesta is like, Cassian! Cassian! And then Cassian hears her. And he's like, what was that? Because he's he's pining for her this whole time. <laughs> he's acting like he's not interested in her. But he's obviously very interested in her. Oh, yeah. They've got so crazy he, chemistry. He, yeah. So he goes to, like, where she is. Right as Hybrid unleashes the cauldron. And if he hadn't moved, he would be dead. <laughs> So that was a part that happened. Unfortunately, he did not die. Was hoping he was gonna die, and then Crazy. oh, and then guess <laughs> they're they're they have no hope. Oh my gosh, they've got nothing going. They're like, oh my god, everything's going to shit. We're so lost. But then out of nowhere comes their father, and his ships that he named after his daughters. But then he doesn't talk to any of his daughters. Only Nesta. <laughs> he does not say anything to the other two. So. Yeah, the what this what what this kind of made me remind me of is like in Game of Thrones when they're doing like the interviews for the writers afterwards. There's like this part of it where they're like, I guess Danny just kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet, and that's kind of the vibe I was getting from this. Where I'm like, okay, when when was her when did her dad find out that they were Fae? When did her when did their dad even have literally anything to like? do with any of this sort of stuff where did it even come from well that's what i'm talking about this the conspiracy theories of like how did he know like he knows that Faye exists he lives on he lives in south of the perithian border so like he knows that his daughter was stolen by a beast in the middle of the night and that like his other two daughters are who knows what and he's gone off to the continent as they call it to like do some business but that's where i think this like secret <laughs> where there's like there's this family secret that we're going to find out later because if he knows that he has to bring in a human like legion to fight this war <laughs> and he like leads this army of humans to fight high burn it's like they didn't know they didn't reveal why he knew all this and what he was doing on the continent but what we do know now is like oh he was gathering names he was he knew about the queens like he was doing what he could to protect his daughters and to save the humans from high burn and it's like well why and that's what i'm kind of thinking about like his wife 
are they Faye? Like, what's going on? And like, that's why I can't wait to see where this goes because he's fucking dead, and we didn't even know his name. Yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> say he's dead now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how he knew because he's gone, and it doesn't even have any portion. And then that made you know, sad. it was I'm when he died. Yeah, that was a really sad scene. I was like, bummer. How, he, just, he didn't like, have a name. I know it was father. He had no. He had no personality. His personality was forcing his young daughter to go out and fend for the whole family and getting his knees broken by tax collectors. He's a wood carver. (laughs) He has skill. He's an artisan. His statues. (laughs) I was just sad because, like, it felt like he wanted to make it up to his daughters, so he was really trying in that one moment. And then SJM was like, "Nice try." Mm-hmm. So then the girls, they're like, Daddy, no! And they're like all upset or whatever. And then Hybron, let's see, somebody stabs Hybron. I think it was Elaine. It's Elaine. Nes- it's Elaine who stabs him. And then Nesta beheads him? Yes. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in this moment, this is so important for future books and I can't wait to talk about it, but during this time, after Nesta had saved Cassian from being bombed by the cauldron, He's like, they're both like, I have to protect you. And I don't know why. But like you specifically, we, we're we not friends. Like Nesta's been blowing him off like repeatedly for the last They don't year know. Now. They don't know. <laughs> but like she, they feel this, this calling to each other. And like when she yelled Cassian, she knew that she was going to let thousands of Illyrians die if it meant that Cassian was okay. So now at this point, Highburn's using that as a weapon. He's like, well, let me beat the shit out of Cassian to destroy Nesta because he wants Nesta because she has the cauldron's power and he wants to kill her and get that power back. So up on this cliff above like the main battleground, Highburn is beating the absolute shit out of Cassian. And Cassian literally is described as like his guts are falling out. Like he is literally dying like, um, on the scene. And Nesta is like, I have to, I have to save you. I have to protect you. I have to do whatever it takes. And Pharaoh's watching this from the eyes of the cauldron from like way on the other end of the cliff, like on the other side of the beach. She is with Amran, who tricked her into, like, coming over there and, like, watching through the cauldron's eye. That Highburn is in the midst of killing both Nessa and Cassian. And Nessa's, like, knows she has power, but doesn't really knows how to use it, even though she's been training and she, like, kind of knows what she's capable of. But in this moment, she's like, I will do anything in my power, anything that I can to save Cassian. If I die, like, I will throw my body over his. Like, she's, she's, they promised to die together, like, in this moment. And he said the sweetest thing. He was like, I have no regrets in my life, but the only thing I regret is that we didn't have time. It's like, that's the only thing. And it was like, literally the one, like, so many times but like, when Cassian said that to Nesta, my whole opinion about, like, everything in these books changed. Like, that was the shift for me. It was like, when Nesta was willing to die for Cassian, and Cassian said that his only regret in his 500 years was that he didn't get to love Nesta. Because Cassian's never serious about anything. Nothing is no. serious for him. It's always like right. whatever. Fuck this whole thing. And then for he's one like, second, I'm a bastard born alien. Like who cares? Yeah. Like I'm just a brute. I'm a fighter. I'm stupid. Whatever. And it was like in this moment, he was like, Yeah. Well, and it's it's like a rare moment of vulnerability for Nesta too. Like it, it's yeah. it's out of character for them, but I think it shows like their true both of their true colors, and obviously like the inclination of feelings for each other. It is a really beautiful moment yeah. in the book. That, and then Elaine... I think it's one of the most important scenes. <laughs> Elaine's like, not on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and this is what's so interesting, too, is, like, Elaine, because she is made, because she, like, loves her sisters, and she's like, 
watching Nesta and Cassian give up everything, like give up all of this because they know they're going to die together and that's what they've decided in this moment is when Elaine shows up and stabs him through the back of the neck. Like literally to the point where the blade comes out the other side. And like Nessa has already like given up her power. She feels like she doesn't even have it anymore because she used and exerted so much. And Cassian's literally laying there dying. But in that moment, like Hybern, I think he was like looking up at Nesta and she's angry because she ju- he just killed her father and because she just he, she thinks he just killed her potential lover and so she comes over and she's like let me just twist that knife real quick <laughs> so okay. that off. so then um, Amarin becomes whatever she becomes and destroys everything knows. she just saves everybody for everything meanwhile she had that power like all along they were just <laughs> hurry up and do whatever you gotta do with the cauldron and she could have done this the whole yeah. time and all they could have been avoided but you know whatever but something traumatic happens Rhysand goes, I love you. And then he fucking dies. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> are you serious? Is this how this really goes? Like, uh, is he really dead? Of no, of course not, Maddie. Not. He, gets, he gets brought back, and she's like, she. everybody's, like, giving him his little powers. Even Feyre has, like, a little seed that she gives him. And then she's like, Tamlin, please. Tamlin, I know that I just did everything wrong, and I betrayed you, and I know you hate me now, and blah, blah, blah. blah. Remember when you used to love me? And he's like, I still love you and I hope you're happy. And then he gives a little bit of his power over to Rhysand. And Rhysand is like, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Another huge um, And then, yep. And then uh, people are like, uh, you know, Elaine and Lucian have a little bit of little romancing going on there. Uh, Miriam? And Prince Dracon, who we didn't really talk a lot about, and I'm assuming are more important in future books. Um, they're there, and then the book is over. Yeah, yeah. I think what like we guess we didn't talk about is that when Amrin went into the cauldron to become like her true form, she thought she was gonna die. Like she was fully oh, convinced right. that like this was her final form. Once she does this, like this is it. So when she went into the cauldron, she stripped every last ounce of power out of the cauldron. But the cauldron is what created Prithian and, like, what creates magic. So without the cauldron, everyone will die. So not only did they just defeat Highburn and, like, they won the war, but if they didn't bring life back to the cauldron, everything and everyone would die. So when Rhysand is like, I love you, Feyre, like, and he's, like, dying, it's because the two of them together are trying to restore the power of the cauldron. So, like, they two are the most powerful high lords and high lady of all the land, and Amran just knocked out everyone with her little wings, you know? Like, she just won the battle, but now the cauldron's dormant. And if the cauldron's, yeah, and it's like, the cauldron's dormant, it means everything and everyone will die. And that's the end of, like, fey species of humanity of everything. So their next move, like, after winning the war, is not to, like, celebrate their win or to, like, rebuild. It's, like, immediately they have to reinstate the powers of the cauldron or else it's all gone to nothing. So, like, he gives up or, like, what they're doing is giving up all of their power and trying to reignite and, like, reawaken the cauldron. And that's when he's, like, she didn't realize that he was giving, 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 and giving. And then that's when she, like, turns around and she goes, oh, my God, it worked. The cauldron's alive. Resand. <laughs> no way. Um. Yeah, and then Amran doesn't die. She's yeah. she's still alive. And Amran doesn't die, and and Reese and Feyre make a death pact, and they tattoo it on their skin. They're like, "If I die, you die too," and that that's their future. 
Honestly, if I could do that with my husband, I would. I'm kind of crazy. <laughs> Maddie. <laughs> Maddie and I have a suicide pact. That's kind of the same thing. She goes, I yeah, go. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay, um, so, so just because I don't have too much more time, I would like to give my one fan cast. Yes, please do. Oh, okay. I know. it's Is, is that okay? Yeah. Okay, it's the only one I could come up with. <laughs> I'm not good at actors and actresses. I know nobody, swear to God. Like, okay. I'm really bad at it. The one thing I could come up with is Tamlin as Chris Pine. Chris oh, Pine. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I was kind of going for, like, a little bit of a younger cast. Well, I, Chris Pine, um, I, I know he looks a little bit older, but, I mean, they're also, like, 5,000 years old, so, like, who determines... I don't know. Um, he was in like the new uh, Star Trek movies, the newer Star Trek movies. He was Captain Kirk. Google him. Chris I'm a Google. Chris oh. Pine is the one. No. Diaries <laughs> too. I think he plays a really arrogant. He plays with his long hair. With his long hair, he's like really. He always plays someone arrogant. He's mm-hmm. got like the long blonde hair in some of them, and he, I think he looks pretty young, even though he's older. I think they could youth him a little bit, and. uh Obviously, there's rumors that Sam Hugan is going to be in it. Yeah. Um, and I Who's think that? He's, he, I think he's probably going to be Lucian. He um, plays Jamie in Outlander. Yeah. Oh, mm. you know what? I could see him as Tamlin. I... Okay, I did you I ever... I don't Tam- want him to be Tamlin so bad. I refuse to think of him as being Tamlin. Um, did you guys watch... You guys watched Divergent when it came out, right? Oh, yes, yeah, so it's been a while. Ago. Um, I cast Tamlin as Jay Courtney, and he was one of like the bad guys in um the those movies. I'm trying to see if I can get it mm-hmm. on camera here. If not, just look him up for. But he like the strong jaw. He looks kind of like an mm-hmm. asshole, also. So like, for Tamlin, what did you want mm-hmm. him for? Mm-hmm. He looks a little. He's a little bit older, but the people I cast for the High Lords were a little bit older than the ones I casted for, like, Feyre and stuff like that. Well, yeah, because um, they're also, like, me, there's a 10-year, like, visible. Like, obviously, there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of years of age difference, but they age slower, and they're supposed to be in their 30s. Like, everyone in the inner circle is in their 30s, mm-hmm. I think, and then everyone that's, like, Feyre, Nesta, yeah, Nesta, like, they're all in their 20s. So I was trying, I get really annoyed when movies cast way too young-looking yeah. people. Or way too old-looking people. So I was truly trying to go within, like, these people look like they're in their early 20s, and these people look like they're in their early 30s. I Okay, so for Tamlin, for me, I was thinking of Jamie Bauer Campbell, who okay. played one in Slash. He's too, like, Vecna small. In like, the mo- I've seen that, though. I saw that. Tamlin's a, Tamlin's a baby, so, like... I like that one, because I feel like I never... Like, I know he's described as being really big and strong and stuff, but his personality makes him seem smaller. Makes him teeny tiny. Yeah. And then, okay, so for the sisters, okay, for Feyre, I don't know how to say her last name. Her name is Kristen Ferregua or something like that. Uh, Ferweyan? It's Norwegian. Um, we spell it. Apparently that's not even close. Hold on. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm like way off. It's Christine Frothseth. Froseth. Oh yeah, I could see that. Wait, I think that's who I could I see her as I see more Elaine. I, I see well, Elaine for, in her big time. For Elaine, 
I casted the girl who's like one of the main characters in like the first few seasons of American Horror Story. Um, Tasia oh, something. Really? Interesting. Um, I did um And then for Bridget Nesta Satterley. Bridget Satterley? Bridget for, Satterley looks like this. This is who I picture Elaine. Oh, okay. for sure. Oh, I picked Daisy Edgar Jones for Elaine. Because she gives like that doe-eyed vibe. I can see that. You know? And mm-hmm, she's supposed mm-hmm. to be a little older than Feyre. And then for Feyre, I had Odea Rush. Um, I think she's an Israeli actress. For um, Nesta, though, I casted Victoria Pedrolardi or whatever, who's Love Quinn in You. Okay. Yeah, I, think- I love Wait, for who? Who did you cast her as? Nesta. I have a big old ah. crush on her. I love her so much. Yeah, she's beautiful. Originally, originally I had casted her as um, Feyre because she's so pointy, you know? Like, she just has, like, a and pointy she face. She is really pointy, you're right. But, like, I thought that maybe she was a little too old to be Feyre because Feyre is so young. Yeah. And so... Yeah. I, for Nesta, like, I just picture such sharp features, like, almost Angelina Jolie I couldn't even type, think of anything for her. But, like, I, like, I wish Sophie Turner was older, because I think she would make a really good Nesta if she played almost exactly like she did huh. as Sansa in the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones. I fan-casted Sophie Turner as Amarantha when she has her red hair. I, like I've Turner seen that before. I've cast, yeah. I casted Isla Fisher as Amarantha because I thought it would be funny to have, like, comedic elements. I really want... <laughs> uh, my God, that'd be funny. Um, I really want Amarantha to be Asian. Yeah, yes. she has to be. Mm-hmm. Right, because she's Asian in the book, right? Yes. yes I yeah, she was. Mm-hmm. I love her. Everyone, every time I read her, I thought about, like, Edna oh. from The Incredibles. Oh, yeah. and, like, everyone always talks yeah. about that because she has, like, the blunt bob. It's like black hair, and she was like girl. She calls everyone girl. I'm like, that's Edna. That is. Uh, I have the perfect Cassian. Same. Oh, okay. His name is Can. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's Turkish. He's so perfect. (laughs) He is the perfect Cassian. Please tell me who this person is. Not Cassian. Oh my god. (laughs) I know. Oh my god. That's so funny. Everybody is like the. (laughs) <laughs> he is like yeah, the damn. perfect Cassian. Yeah, even yeah. after reading like the other books where we get to know Cassian a lot better, I was like, "That's him. That's him." Also, yeah, I, any- this is really stupid, but the Cassian character, like the trope, reminded me so much of Emmett in Twilight. Yes, <laughs> like yeah. the first couple books, I was because I didn't know his appearance very well. I kept picturing Emmett from Twilight, no. and then it wasn't until like I like learned more about what he looks like and like the descriptions of him in Frost and Starlight and Silver Flame that I was like, oh, it's Cam Yeaman or whatever. How do yeah. you pronounce his name? So, um, for Ianthi, I casted Dove Cameron. Oh. Even though I think Dove Cameron mm. is a bad actress, <laughs> I think that her look, though, it would fit really well. Same for the person I casted for Lucian. Lucian, Lucian, whatever. It's the guy... Okay, hear me out. You all are gonna just go, what do you mean? But you have to hear me out, okay? Okay. Okay. The red-headed guy from Riverdale Ew. is Did actually really... Ho- he's actually really hot when he's not in his Riverdale look. Yeah. And you're you're right. I saw someone who? say that one on TikTok, and I don't like it. <laughs> Lucian? For Lucian? I, yeah. Okay, I think KJ Appa is Jurian. 
Okay. I could see a jury I saw, out of him. I, I saw a jury and like he like looked very like Middle Eastern whenever I like him. imagined him. He, yeah. yeah. People were fixing Pedro Pascal as Jurian. Yeah. I think Pedro's like, a little too old. I think Perhaps. Too, but, um, and a little did you guys pick like Reese? Reese, I have like nobody. I, I, I can't. Thomas There's no Reese. Do, 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 Doherty? Doherty, yeah. He's just very... Who? Uh, okay, you guys are gonna laugh really hard. What, how do you spell his name? I can't see. It's um, Thomas Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y. Oh, yeah. oh God. I know. Doherty. <laughs> That's where Maddie and I went to high school, is Doherty High School. <laughs> Tom, actually, it's Thomas Thomas Doherty High Thomas B Doherty High School is where we went to. Um, There's um, I saw a fan cast for Reese yesterday. It's Sean Teal. Sean. Um, Sean Teal is like S. So how do you spell Sean? And then T E A L E. And I thought like that's pretty decent if you could make him look evil and like darkish. Yeah. Like, okay. Dark vibes, dark clothing, like see, more yeah, clean cut. Like I feel like he could be a decent Reese, but I think that there's just this problem with like I've seen too much fan art mm-hmm. to know that like, and also the way that they've described is so unhuman that I just feel like this these the series can't be live action. It has to be animated. There's no way to capture this. Yeah, I, I saw that, that they're cast that they're talking about casting Jacob Elody as no. freaking. That's a rumor. I don't know how if they do um, that. I don't even know. He's so ugly. And he's a bad actor. I don't understand. I feel like my... Okay, so my fan casting for Resan, it's like adjacent to yours, Brielle. It's it's Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. (laughs) He plays Roy Kent. Um, But, like, the way he, like, quirks his eyebrows and stuff just reminds me of, like, the very, I guess, like... Hmm almost cat-like nature his face is too round his face is a little round but like he has very defined features and like i like he has dark hair and like the Mm -hmm. beard and i think he looks like the older version of who brielle cast basically Mm -hmm. i think the thing about these men is that none of them are sexy enough yeah it's just not it's just not possible Reese is I think just the hottest person in the world. So. That if you were to combine yeah. like young Ian Somerhandler and <laughs> young Henry Cavill, whatever, whatever, and you combine them into one man and you make him tan, that would be kind of who I'm picturing. Yeah, so geneticists out there, um, we need you to create this. I have one last one. <laughs> okay. We haven't talked about Asriel. Like, we talked about everybody. We talked about Tam. We talked about Nessa Lane, like everyone. But we haven't talked about Asriel. I saw a fan cast for Matthew Daddario. Yes! <laughs> I'm so passionate about that. That one is definitely... I 100% see it. Like, that is that is Asriel in my mind. He is, like, very, wow. like, he looks like he has secrets. That's mm-hmm. spot on. He looks um, like he's followed by shadows. <laughs> okay. I, well, I think that Lucian, too. Oh. Excuse me, I said who I would cast as Lucian. Okay, well, we moved on. I think uh, Ewan Mitchell, who played Aemon Targaryen, would make a phenomenal Lucian. And he already has the eye thing going on, too. He has a real eye. He has real eyes. Yeah, no, I know, but, like, the... Lucian has, like, a scar, and, like, his eye's a different scar. Aemon has the sapphire eye. He still has an eye, can't see out of it, but like. <laughs> okay, hear me out really quick. Okay. Asriel as Penn Badgley. 
Honestly, I was actually kind of thinking that too. If he beefed up yeah. a little bit, maybe. Because he, yeah, Penn well, Badgley's like, actually really shadowy. hot. He's very shadowy. He's very like, he's very um, elusive a little bit. He could play that kind of character really well that sits in the background but creeps you out at the same time. And I feel like Azrael kind of is that way like right Joe. now. Where I'm like, what is your like Joe? I'm like, what is your what's your thing, dude? Like, what's going on with you? You're kind of weird. I could see that. I just huh. think that because um, the Matthew Daddario dude looks so much like the fan art yeah. that I've seen, mm-hmm. that's why I see it. Because like fan art is like in my brain. Yeah. Will you guys send me your fan art and like who you think that they should be so I can make it into like a little Instagram post? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the last thing that we're gonna do before we go um, is who in this are you? Who do you think you are? And oh, I think we'll just I go with who do you answer. think you are? Okay, oh. Brielle. Easy answer. My hobbies are Elaine: baking, gardening, like girly weird shit like that. But then like also Nesta because she this is gonna come out later. But she just sits around and reads smut and is a bitch. <laughs> That's all of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm like, <laughs> I am the Nesta personality with like the smutty like likes to drink and listens to a lot of music and it's very angsty and angry and then like I like the little things that Elaine likes to do that's my answer okay who wants to go next I feel like I'm probably more and more like I can see that just just like um I don't know I feel like her personalities are similar like she's always uh she's just fun yeah. I like her. But she also... I wish I was... I wish I was Nesta. Yeah. Like, I wish. But, like, but. I think more is kind of almost, like, some sort of, like, glue to the group. Like, she... Mm-hmm. As much as she mm-hmm. is, like, really fun, she also has a calming presence. And I definitely, like, yeah. get those vibes from you, too. Thank you. Nobody gets that from you. I appreciate that. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, the abrupt stop there is because Brielle's... Uh, stuff stopped recording, and then Amanda's stuff stopped recording, and then Courtney's stuff stopped recording, all within a 30-second <laughs> span. So we ended up having to cut the episode off a little short. I was going to say that I was the weaver. That That's who I am <laughs> in the show, or, or in the book. I identify most with that character, because I'm greasy and I'm evil, and I love it. Um, <laughs> and apparently she collects hair. I collect... Yes. Remember, I'm making you, I'm making you a sweatshirt for your birthday, Courtney. Out of my Mountain beautiful Mountain. red hair. She sent us a... I don't know if this is... It, it probably was not in the last part. I don't think but we talked about it, no. She sent us a picture of her cleaned out drain the other day. And she could easily make me a sweater with that. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen those girls on, like, TikTok who, are, like, collect their hair? Uh, yes. And they, like, make... They, like, put on a piece of tape. I have also, I went to a museum in St. George, Utah. It was a Mormon museum, and they had hair wreaths there. Okay, so, I don't know so what that's about. the Weaver's not too far off. He's <laughs> just 45 minutes north of me. That's right. St. George is not that far from me. I know. I feel like I need to take you there just so you can have experienced it with me. Experience my Mormon culture? Mm, they do have a death cast of Joseph uh, Smith's face, so. Hmm. We're off topic. Anyway. We're totally off topic. <laughs> Anyhow, um, how this episode, I think, or like this, uh, the second part of this conversation that we had today, um, I was the lead, the lead talker in this one. 
Um, and Brielle was helping me as well because there was no way. I finished this book this morning and there was no way that I was going to, like, remember all of it. I even tried. Like, I, I had to go back and I was watching a YouTube video of this girl doing a full summary of this book before we got on the call because I was trying to make sure that, like, I remembered key parts of it that... And, like, kind of, like, where this book started, because I just, I've been reading these books, like, back to back to back to back. Yeah. It's almost, like, too much to chew at once and, like, process. So I totally get that. I think that actually might be part of the issue why I don't like these books so much, is because I'm reading them really fast. And so I'm not reading them in a way that I can truly digest everything that's happening. That's what I, because I've been listening to the audiobooks as well, like, to try and get my, yeah, to, like, because there was no way I was going to read this book in four days. I had to yeah. listen to the audiobook. And so um, I really liked listening to it. It broke down a lot of stuff, and, like, I felt like I could hear and see things a little bit more accurately. Yeah. But... I think some fantasy series are maybe just easier to consume via audiobook. I My boyfriend listened to them on audiobook, and he enjoyed them. But, like, it also could just be that you don't like the series, and that's okay. I know. I'm just so different and unique. I'm like Feyre. I'm just like so different. Are you going to start painting? Every- Are you going to paint Terry's house? <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> You're, well, yes. I. Are you going to hey, paint I did my paint. I painted my shelves. You can paint my eyes on your door frame. That's what Feyre did. <laughs> I could do that. What if I did that? What if I painted this room with the eyes of every guest? Well, first, what are your current painting skills? Non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) Similar to Amanda's theory, where I paint and everybody's like, oh, great, good job, but it's really just shit, so. That's honestly so funny. I I haven't heard that, and I've been on, like, Kotar TikTok forever, Um, but that is really interesting. Like, what if everyone is just, like, trying to protect famous feelings? And she's yeah, just dog shit. shit. She's just horrible <laughs> at it. And they're like, wow, it's so good. Like when you bring, like when you're five and you bring a drawing to your mom and she's like, oh my god, that does, totally looks like a dog. Yeah, not at all any, yeah. Just like a no. melted lump of nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like maybe Nesta was justified in trying to scrape off all of her paintings. And <laughs> <laughs> Nesta's like, I'm trying to protect you. Okay. Yeah. This is awful. Nessa is the only one who's been real with her this whole time, so. Wow. Just wait and take. Remember that specific comment? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, well, I guess that is the end of this episode. Next week is a special week. Courtney and I are together. We're doing something not book, re- not, we're doing a podcast, but not book related podcasts. Don't know what it's going to be yet. The week after that is going to be the last two Akatar books. So keep that in mind. And Maddie and I will both be 25. Maddie will be 25 tomorrow from when we're recording this. Tomorrow. My birthday is April 17th, which is tomorrow. Courtney's is April 29th, which is in 13 days. I know. 12 days and a whole zodiac is all that divides us. And like parents and yeah, yeah, yeah. state well, lines. I, I, you know, your dad's like basically adopted me at this point to replace your brother. So 
<laughs> so if you are interested in what we're doing when we're not on here, we have a TikTok, an Instagram, and a Facebook. Um, go follow them if you want. It's yeah. at the Woody Banter Book Club. What? I said yeah. yeah go oh, follow. I thought you were like <laughs> no, um, like I forgot something. And then, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave us a review. I love, I would love if you would do that, please. If you are on YouTube, please like and subscribe, please, please. Um, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. We already have, it is April 16th right now. We have all of June already planned. Yes. And, and we, we have, have extra content planned, too. Yes. And then, um... July is going to be interesting. July and August, which we have to talk about. But Yeah. I will probably also see Maddie again at some point in that time frame. Yeah. Uh, probably, um, if we're on the record that we're going now, uh, it'll be twice but yeah. by the time it's July. So This is what, like every <laughs> month and a half? Yeah. That I come I see you? Yeah. Yeah. And July's a long month, so. True. And May. May's also. There's five Mondays in May. Moral of the story, lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline for all of you um, who are following along on our journey. Yeah. Um, um, anything you would like to add to, to finish off this episode? Um, I don't think so. Thanks for, I mean, following along on this series. Of, you know, Maddie and I have mixed feelings for just about the first time on this podcast, but I still... As much as I love this series, I recognize that there might be some flaws. It's not even my favorite series by Sarah J. Matt. Um, but the other one's just so long, it's hard to ask people to commit to reading that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, so. when you read Crescent City, there's 15 <laughs> books. I like Crescent City, but Throne of Glass is my favorite. Sorry, Throne of Glass. Eight, That's the one with, like, a thousand books. It's eight books, and they're all, like, this size. Some of them are a little smaller, but there's some hefty chonkers in there. So, maybe eventually. <laughs> I'm so fortunate. Um, okay. I think that's it. Yeah. So, I guess all that's left to say is... Happy, happy reading! reading. <laughs>